0: The Old Testament reading for this, the fourth Sunday in Lent, comes from the prophet Isaiah, the 42nd chapter. For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands and dry up the pools. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. They are turned back and utterly put to shame who trust in carved idols, who say to metal images, you are our gods. Hear, you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one, or blind as the servant of the Lord? He sees many things, but does not observe them. His ears are opened, but he does not hear. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness' sake, to magnify his law and make it glorious. This is the word of the Lord. O oh, come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the and the of our faith. who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he at the right hand from God. Epistle reading, which serves as the text of our sermon this morning, comes to us from the letter of St. Paul to the church in Ephesus, the fifth chapter. It becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And this is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Rise for the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel comes according to St. John, the ninth chapter. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And this is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I have to confess, in high school and college, I, like so many other young men, kind of went through a phase where I really liked horror movies and books and stories. I didn't care much for zombies and slashers, but monsters, phantoms, scary stories that kind of get in your head. I really liked that stuff for a while. From classics like Lovecraft and Dracula, to Stephen King and Poltergeist, for whatever reason, I enjoyed filling my head with that kind of terror. Now today, not so much. Probably because I realized that the world has enough actual scary stuff in it that I don't need to add anymore. But I did notice something about the whole genre. Of horror. Bad stuff tends to happen at night. Rarely does a scary story start, it was a bright and sunny day. Birds were chirping and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. <laughs> and if they do start that way it's only to pull the rug out from underneath you later on and have it turn dark and let the scary stuff happen. Horror is kind of undone by sunlight. That chainsaw-wielding guy lurching after you in the dark who's so terrifying? Well, in the daylight, he just kind of looks silly. Ghosts disappear. Evil slinks back to the shadows, and gremlins evaporate in a puff of smoke. When you're lying in bed at night and you think you see something spooky, what do you do? You turn on the light, of course. The light makes everything better. And you realize that it wasn't a monster standing in the corner waiting to eat you. It was just the pair of pants that you had hung on the doorknob. And so when we're talking about ghost stories and spooky situations, turning on the lights always makes things better. But what about when we're talking about our spiritual lives? What about when we are talking about the evil and the horror that lies within our own hearts. In our epistle reading today, Paul writes that we are to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. He says that sin is darkness, and that at one time, you were darkness. That sin ruled your life and dominated you completely. And that's something to be worried about. The sad truth is, we're usually not all that concerned about sin anymore, are we? We don't look into those dark places in our hearts and our souls too often. We're Christians. And so we just ignore the deep shadows. We pretend that they're not there. Why do we do that? Is it because we're afraid of the dark? Or are we actually afraid of the light? Because you see, in the dark of our hearts, even as Christians... There are all sorts of evil, nasty things. Even though we don't like to admit it, sin still dwells within us and it still has a solid hold on our lives. Coveting and gossiping and lying lurk in those dark corners. Lusting and cheating and stealing drift through our hearts and our minds like phantoms. Abuse of God's name and His word shamble through our lives like zombies. Hatred and grudges lurk in our hearts like monsters waiting to jump out at any moment. Even as Christians, our hearts are still dark and scary places, filled with sin and the horrors that sin brings. But the sad fact is we're okay with that. We have grown so used to the darkness and the sin that They really don't even bother us anymore. Kind of like a college kid laughing as someone gets dismembered, we've grown jaded to the horror of our sin, and we just don't think anything of it anymore. We tell ourselves, it's not real. You know, sure, we all have those passing thoughts, but that's not really sin in my life. We convince ourselves and others that we can handle it. We're okay with it because we are mature and we're enlightened and we know better than that. We see sin so often in the world that it doesn't even bother us anymore. It's so commonplace that we don't even think that it's sinful. And worse, we do sin so often that we've convinced ourselves it's not really sin. I mean, if we as Christians do it, and we like it, and the world tells us it's okay, then obviously it's just fine. And so we shouldn't have to be afraid of that kind of sin. What should be terrifying to us, the darkness of sin, the horror that it seeks to bring into our lives, instead it's become entertainment to us. And it doesn't scare us one bit anymore. We like the darkness. We have come to actually enjoy it. We love the wicked ways of the world and we try to take part in it as much as we possibly can without getting caught. We want to establish where exactly God has drawn the line with his commandments so we can get as close to it as possible. Step over the line as far as we can but still kind of technically leave one toenail on the right side and say, "See, we're okay." We want to keep those dark places of our heart dark because we actually enjoy the shadows. We enjoy the wickedness. We know what lies there, and we don't want to get rid of it. We pretend the darkness isn't there because we don't want it to go away. We're not afraid of the darkness in our hearts as we should be. We revel in it. We take pride in it. We say that there's nothing wrong with it. We're happy in the dark because we've become comfortable with our sin. We're delusional. And we tell ourselves, there's nothing really to be afraid of. Jesus won the victory for us, and so sin isn't anything we should even worry about anymore. And so even though we should be terrified, too often we're not afraid at all of the darkness of sin. We've grown used to it. We're comfortable with it. We even like it. So sadly, no. More often than not, when it comes to spiritual matters, we are not afraid of the dark, as we should be. But the light of Jesus Christ? Well, now that's another story, isn't it? (coughs) Knowing that we sin, we worry what the light is going to show us. We worry that when the light of Jesus shines in our hearts, it's going to show us how awful we truly are. Paul says when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. And we certainly don't want that. We'd rather not see how ugly our sin actually is. And we certainly don't want anyone else to see it. We'd rather not see that our pet sin that we love so much and we think we have under control is actually a rabid beast just waiting to maul us. We would rather be blissfully ignorant of how terrible our sin really is, happy in the dark of not knowing how dangerous and terrible the things in our hearts are, rather than have them exposed by the light of Jesus Christ when the Word of God comes and points out that sin is sin, when His light shines into those dark corners of our lives, we're afraid. We don't want to admit that that's there. We don't want to see it. We want to pretend that it's all okay. But Jesus comes along anyway, and He brings His light into our hearts of darkness. Because in the light, we can avoid those awful things. When we see that lust is actually a monster that seeks to devour us completely, we don't want to cuddle up with it any longer, no matter how much it tries to convince us otherwise. When the light of God's word shows us that taking his precious name in vain isn't just some harmless phrase, but it's a slow demeaning of our faith and a tearing down of God himself, well, then we can turn away from that trap when the darkness of our sin is dragged, squealing and squirming into the light of God's word, we can see just how detestable, how wretched, how filthy and useless it is, despite all its claims. The light of Jesus Christ shines into those dark places of our hearts and shows us how awful they are. Shows us that these are things we should not be comfortable with in our lives. Shows us that these are things to avoid and cast out from our lives. But it's more than just that. Have you ever wondered why surgical rooms are so brightly lit? And that's a dumb question, isn't it? It's so the surgeons can see and they can properly remove and fix what needs to be done. They don't want to be poking around in the shadows guessing if they're cutting off the right thing, hoping that maybe they got all of the cancer out. They need the light to heal. The light of Jesus' word, it exposes our sin and that can be painful. It can be humiliating. But he does so not to belittle us and mock us, not to hold that sin over our head and say, oh, look what I found in the dark corners here. He shines his light to remove that sin from us completely, to cut it out of our lives. He doesn't want us holding on to any of it. He doesn't want any of it to be left in our lives to destroy us. He doesn't want even a passing shadow of sin to be left in our lives. And so he, the light of the world, comes and fills our hearts, our souls, our entire lives to drive out the shadows of darkness and sin. The light of Jesus Christ, it doesn't just expose our sin and make us feel bad, it burns it away completely. And we who were once darkness, we are now light in the Lord. Did you notice how Paul phrased that? Paul didn't just say, you who were once in darkness. You who once had darkness around you. He says, you were darkness. Darkness was all that you are. Sin was your nature. It was what defined you. We weren't just in darkness. We were darkness. Because sin filled us and consumed us completely. But by the blood of Jesus Christ... The darkness is taken away completely. And to do that, Jesus himself willingly went to the darkness of our world. He left the glorious joy and radiance of heaven to be surrounded by sin and darkness and death. He let himself be betrayed and abandoned, beaten and mocked by those that he came to save. Jesus Christ, God himself in the flesh, the light of the world allowed himself to be killed by the darkness, to be crucified and buried, to atone for the transgressions of his sinful creation. He entered the darkness to save us, to bring his light to us. But the darkness, it had not overcome him, because light is always stronger than dark, no matter how it might seem. And on the third day, the deep darkness of Jesus' tomb was filled instead with the glorious light of his resurrection to life. He died in darkness so that we could be brought to the light of his glory. He sacrificed himself to bring the light of life into our sinful hearts, into every single corner of it. The Holy Spirit has made us a new creation, not just bringing us some light, but making us the light of God himself. As we are declared holy, innocent, and righteous in the eyes of God, we are clothed in his glorious robe of holiness and perfection. Not that we don't sin anymore, or that darkness never tempts us or never even gets the better of us. That's going to happen as long as we are this side of heaven because we are still sinners living in a sinful and broken world. But as we are washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, our darkness is removed completely. And we now shine with the holiness of Jesus Christ himself. And as we shine, the light of our Christian faith, it pierces the darkness, not just of our hearts, but of the lives of those around us. We don't hide that light under a bushel. No, We're going to let it shine. We shine it into the nasty corners of our lives so we can stop embracing our sin and pretending that it's not there. We shine it under the filthy shadows of this world so we can stop pretending that sin is good and fun and natural and that we're missing out on something by not taking part. We shine it under the path that we walk so that we and those around us can avoid the pitfalls of sin can see that God has given us a much better way that doesn't fill our lives with disease and heartbreak and disappointment, but rather leads to life and joy eternal. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And shine on you He has. The light of His Word, the truth of Holy Scripture, it has exposed the sin and depravity of our hearts. It has shown us all those scary things that we didn't think were all that bad. But they are. And so Jesus comes to show us that. But more importantly, he comes to set us free from those shadows that we like to lurk in. He came to shed his blood to cleanse us of our sin so it can no longer entrap us. We who were nothing but the darkness of sin, we have been made light by the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. And where sin brings only death and more darkness, the light of Jesus Christ brings life and joy eternal not just in this world, but forever. For by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of all of your sin, and eternal life in heaven is yours. Thanks be to God. Amen.